0: of the JR Take Sportscast. As always, Jonah Hoffman and Ryan Rogers coming at you with our, like I said, third episode, and Ryan, we got the Kraken moving on onto the second round, beating the defending champion for the first time in a franchise's first appearance, knocking off defending champions.
1: Yeah, you gotta love it. Uh, fucking over Denver again as a sports city. It's... it's. Uh, I, I don't feel bad for them, but I'm almost just like, man, they they got to be... <laughs> they they just got to be hating the city of Seattle after what's transpired in last year. But it was an awesome series, you know, down to the wire, down to the very end, game seven. Super exciting. I think this playoff experience of the Kraken just gave myself and probably a lot of other Seattle area residents um, that were sports fans in appreciation for the sport of hockey. I I think it's fucking exciting. I I'm, I'm excited to watch the next series and, you know, follow the sport along now that we have this good established franchise. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, I certainly feel the same way, especially after yesterday we played a indoor soccer game, and after the soccer game, uh we went home and watched the Kraken game and I, it like kind of made me appreciate both sports more cuz they're pretty hmm. similar, like Indoor and hockey are kind of the same thing in a way because they're like the same size field. Well, I don't know if that's regulation. I I don't know the the I don't know the truth. Yeah, Yeah, behind that, but it just kind of reminded me of like what we just went through doing the chaos
1: of bouncing over or bouncing off the wall and everything is similar for sure.
0: Yeah, but it is pretty ironic that we eliminated denver from the playoffs i don't really even want to own them as a city i don't have anything against them but
1: yeah i love denver i mean mean, the one day i spent there is a really cool city people were really nice but um we do own them yeah (laughs) we have our own role against them
0: yeah um Speaking of Super Bowl and football, I guess we can transition on to the biggest event of the past couple days in the past week in the sports world, and that is the NFL draft. Seahawks made some big moves, pretty unexpected ones. Uh, looking back on our reactions, um, we were a little bit surprised, I myself included, uh, on the Devin Witherspoon pick, but of course... That, that one was surprising,
1: but... I think more so than anything, just because there's this narrative that's been formed over the last 12 years that Pete and John just pick late round corners and then develop them. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just thought positionally that a corner at five was out of play, or at least I was kind of thinking that, Um, though, when I saw that we brought him in for a top 30 visit, like I didn't totally rule it out. Mm -hmm. I didn't totally rule out Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley last year either, but I just didn't think it was going to happen. So it was just surprising to see us go after skill positions with the top two picks in the draft.
0: Yeah. It seemed like we got it completely wrong in the sense that we assumed that they would go in the trenches early. Mm-hmm. And then that isn't, that's kind of the opposite of how they went. They went late picks, uh, bigger guys like our centers yeah. guard and then our tackles. Um, I which, think they
1: did a really good job of hitting all the needs without for the most part over drafting for any of them, you mm-hmm. know. Um they did for as often as they could, I believe just went with best player available, which that's how you win the draft. It's not by reaching for an LJ Collier, you know. It's just <laughs> it's just taking the good player when they fall to you and um I guess let's just walk through each pick, but um before we get too deep into that just real quick who is your favorite pick because for me it's a pretty easy choice it was jackson smith and jigba um i just did not think he would fall to us i thought the only chance we had to get him was at five i thought he was gonna be a top 10 pick and the fact that he was sitting there at 20 and it reminded me of when dk fell to us in the second mm -hmm. round where it's like man the seahawks never get like the guy that's getting all the hype at the receiver position all offseason, but then they just did it. Um, So that was really, really exciting, and I cannot wait to see what he does in that offense. But why don't you pick your pick?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, my pick is the same direction. I just felt like Jackson Smith and Jigva, when that name was announced, even though it was mispronounced by the lack of the Smith in the name, um, (laughs) uh, I just... I guess I was feeling a little deflated or I guess caught off guard by the Witherspoon pick that I was a little bummed out that we didn't take uh Jalen Carter. Um, so when we took Jackson Smith and Jigba, I was, that, that was, I, that was the best player available at that position. Um, and it was nice to get the first best player available at that position. Yeah, I mean, was- even though we did that with the, with Devin Witherspoon too, um, There was just a lot more hype, I guess, surrounding an offensive skill player. I mean, you have him in the conversation for fantasy purposes, too. So it was just like really fun to see um, a receiver like that, given the fact that he played with a lot of other big names coming out of that school. Uh, Yeah, him for sure. That was my favorite pick. Uh, Just... It's going to be nice to finally having that third receiver and not really having to worry about, um, you know, whether or not David Moore or uh, Marquise Goodwin or whoever, our third receiver, D. Eskridge. Yeah. We we have a real talent at the wide receiver three position.
1: I don't even know if D. Eskridge is going to be able to make the roster this year, to be honest, because some of the undrafted guys we got, I'm— I think are higher upside than him, mm-hmm. uh, but moving on, I guess let's just backtrack and just go pick by pick uh, quick analysis of them. And what kind of what you thought of the pick uh, you've alluded to it a little bit, but the Devin and With- Witherspoon selection, I actually the last like two weeks of the pre-draft process, I started actually looking into him and Gonzalez a little bit. Cause I was like, well, what if they do take a corner and Gonzalez had the size profile that's more typical of a Seattle corner. But the thing about Witherspoon that stands out is like you watch his tape and it's like he's a mini cam chancellor. Like Mm -hmm. he seriously rocks people and like people that outweigh him by like 40 or 50 pounds. It's it's nuts. (laughs) I don't know how he does it because he's he's not a big guy, but he put he's. Easily the most physical corner in this class. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's going to be pissing receivers off in man coverage. And I, what I really like is he has a different skill set than Tariq Woolen. So they could kind of play to their strengths. And what they could even do in certain situations is move Witherspoon to the slot for certain plays. And maybe just have Mike Jackson or Kobe Bryant play outside corner for like a, what the situation calls for. Because he's really sticky in man coverage, and that's kind of what you want out of your your uh, nickel guy.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly. In reference to the hard hitting and the mini cam chancellor, I was watching a couple of videos of him after we made our selection, and <laughs> there's it was the I think the game against Michigan where he whoever the running back is for Michigan or was at the time uh, there was a play where he like hits him in the backfield. And then I like the next play; it's the same player, and he like blows him up at the line of scrimmage. But it was, it was pretty cool just seeing like one-on-one tackles being made like in open, open field because that was was something that we just couldn't do. So seeing that, I'm like, okay, well, that's going to solve that really frustrating experience every Sunday.
1: He's a (laughs) kind of an unconventional route towards helping the run defense. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Uh, and I feel like that was kind of the thought in mind when they made this selection is not only is this guy, the top cover guy in the class, but he's a willing run defender. Mm-hmm. So you don't want him going after a Derrick Henry t- type guy all the time, but um, hopefully we have and will continue to make enough moves to avoid that as much as possible.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, so moving on to Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, we talked about it a little bit. I already said it's my favorite pick. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction following the selection of him. And oh, okay. this may be bold, but hear me out. I think health permitting, including the quarterback room and the receiver room and the offensive line, like if we have decent health, minimal injuries this year, I think in this offense, Geno could possibly throw for 5,000 yards this year. And I'm going to make an absolute prediction he's going to at least hit 4,500 and shattering the franchise record. Because I don't think we've had, you know, especially when you throw in some of the running backs we brought in, the amount of capable pass catchers in this offense, I don't think it's ever been this good before. Our tight end room is excellent. The receiver, the three receiver set we can bring out is the best that we've had probably ever, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a couple of really good pass catching running backs now. So, you know, you improve the offensive line, you get a real center in there like Evan Brown, give Gino a little more time back there. Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, develop more. I think this selection, I love it because it was the most win now move we could have made at 20. Mm -hmm. I so that that's my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, like I said earlier, the selection of Smith and Jigba answers so many needs we have on offense and pretty much puts to bed any questions of, of, of you know, that third receiver coming in in the offseason and taking a chance on a 30-something-year-old guy that didn't pan out and let's see if he can work well with Pete Carroll. Let's see if he can bring the best out of... X player, and we've just seen that story not pan out so many times. So it's nice to see uh, a talented, promising player with a high ceiling and a high floor uh, come in and really, really work off the coattails of DK and lock it. I think he's going to obviously shine because DK, when he's you know having his battles, his mental trash talking extravaganza whatever he's doing that everyone's going to be not thinking about jsn and tyler lockett
1: yeah and then if they do then that frees up dk
0: exactly and the the number one thing over and over again is he he gets open so that's
1: so on that note it's really funny i had not thought of this until like a couple days ago But someone said that JSN reminds them of a like giant Doug Baldwin. And I never thought about it. But then when I watched his release and how shifty he is, he's a bigger guy than Doug Baldwin, about Mm -hmm. like 15, 20 pounds heavier, a couple inches taller. But he reminds me so much of him, the way he runs routes and, you know. I think Doug Baldwin is one of the best receivers in franchise history. Super underrated guy. If he played in a more volume, high-volume offense, he would have had several more 1,000-yard seasons easily. Um, So already a great player, but uh, JSN's ceiling is a lot higher than Doug Baldwin's was.
0: I agree, and my favorite thing personally about JSN is his ability with the football after the catch. Uh, His shiftiness, as you were just saying, of his ability to cut up and down the field and kind of make those juke moves while sprinting is very impressive. Yeah. Not a lot of guys can do that. Uh, I think it was in the Rose Bowl, the clip I think everyone has seen a million times of him catching the pass over the middle. And then I think there was a, there was a few defensive backs around him and he, he shifted one way, did a reverse cut back and then went left again and just, I mean, it was a it was a clean move, and it seemed like he did it with ease. So, yeah, that's I think uh, kind of like Bijan. He doesn't look like he's moving that quick, but his just his balance is the best I've seen from a receiver in this class, and probably for a while. Yeah, you know, it's
1: it's really funny you say that because I was gonna bring up when I watched JSN, I oddly think of I think of a lot of things, but some players that. Just kind of have this uh, thing about them that he has that I see in Bijan and I see in Bryce Young is the game just feels like it's on easy mode when the ball's in their hands. Like mm-hmm. you, it's it's really cool that you said Bryce or uh, Bijan because the way they both run, they don't look like they're trying that hard or moving that fast yet they're scoring eighty yard touchdowns. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, your eyes are just kind of like lying to you. It's an interesting thing, but yeah, you know, he doesn't have like burner top end three or four, three, five speed. But the thing that he has that shows up in the testing numbers um that matches up with what you see on a film is he had the fastest three cone drill of anybody at the combine. So his short area quickness is top tier. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters for getting fucking open. I mean, you look at a guy like Jalen Hyatt, super speedster, but and even a guy like DK, he had not a good three cone drill but he gets open by just being bigger and stronger and faster than everybody yeah which is just different style of player you know yeah but yeah i love the pick i can't say enough good things about it um i i round one was an a plus for me i think witherspoon you could give a maybe a minus uh smith and jigba is a plus you couldn't give it a higher grade, in my opinion.
0: Agreed, agreed. Uh, we'll go. We'll move on to the third overall pick. Um, kind of a similar reaction to the Devin Witherspoon pick, maybe not as dramatic. Uh, but I was a little bit um, like, "Huh, okay, Derek Hall." I don't really remember where I took him in in the draft. Maybe I took him going to KC. I I guess we can pull pull it up in post production later, and I'll give a little thumbnail of who I took. yeah. But, um, yeah, At Derek Hall, uh, we immediately watched uh, a highlight video of his on YouTube after the pick, and we were like, okay, he he looks like he is scary.
1: Yeah, I, I think this was a case, you know, initial reaction, I was just kind of like a little deflated. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, I think it's just because this is a guy that slipped through the cracks when I was doing research and analysis on the players coming right. up through this class. I also... Was thinking if we were going to go edge, because I didn't see it as a huge deed. It was just for Will Anderson or uh, Nolan Smith Mm -hmm. in round one. But yeah, you turn on uh, Derek Hall's tape and it's really, really exciting to watch. He plays with a ton of power and he's got good size. He's got good speed. He's absolutely rocked up. So uh, I think the knock on him was he doesn't have a variety of pass rushing moves but the thing is we brought in a pass rush specialist in the off season who's mm-hmm. worked with a lot of guys who's who've done really well in the NFL so i'm i'm excited to see what he could do as a developmental guy but the thing is i think he might actually end up beating out a uh, boye for starting time this season um i think Boye is even more of a developmental prospect. I think uh, Dare Hall coming what's out. What's Boye's
0: timetable? Sorry to interrupt you, but like did they had they ever said any how long what the ETA is on his NFL ready productivity? I, I feel like, he, like I just keep hearing oh he's raw this, he's raw that. That's why he's not doing anything. And it's I, just like what does that mean in in the long run?
1: I saw people say like 2-3 years. I don't know. The thing and the thing with Boye Mafe is He's a 24-year-old rookie, mm-hmm. so he's going to be hitting his theoretical prime at, like, 27. Um, I can't remember how old Derek Hall is. I think he's 22, so a bit younger of a guy. Um, but I, I like Boye Mafe. I, I just think uh, Derek Hall and Uchenna from day one could be, like, in a really, really good, just disrupting combo. And then you mm-hmm. rotate in Boye and Daryl Taylor, and you have a nice mix of of uh, pass rushing abilities there
0: yeah yeah um so do we want to just next pick zach charbonnet sure do you want to give your yeah so on how that went down for you
1: i um <laughs> i would have to give this if i were to grade the selections i would probably give this pick here the lowest selection just based on the fact that I didn't think it was a great use of a second round pick, considering that we just used a second round pick on Kenneth Walker last season. Um, The thing is, though, what we did later on in the draft made this pick a lot better for me because we finally addressed the interior on both lines. And that's what really more so than anything, fantasy aside, uh, what pissed me off so much about this pick is... We, missed, we had just missed out on Keanu Benton like three picks prior, which like was a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And then you have Osiris Torrance, you have John Michael Schmitz. Uh, I think Tippmann was already gone at that point, but you had some top guys in the interior right there, mm-hmm. ready to go. You don't take them. They immediately get taken afterwards. And then one of the other top nose tackle prospects prospects gets taken like five picks later. So I was just like... What the fuck, man?
0: Yeah, I was really bummed when uh, those two names that you mentioned, Michael Schmitz and Torrance, both of those guys would have. I I more so wanted uh, the guard, but uh, just because I mainly his player notes and what I had read about him, um, and of course his size was Mm. what I found most intriguing. But yeah, I was really surprised that they decided to go skill positions before trench positions. It just seems like the opposite way that yeah. you would build, um, but I mean, maybe they feel like they can hit diamond uh, diamonds in the rough with those uh, those bigger guy positions. I just, yeah, um, I don't know the the guard out of LSU. I guess we'll get to him next, but uh, yeah, I want to actually
1: the, talk about Over ob- Overall,
0: Charbonnet. the Charbonnet pick. Um, i'm really looking forward to just because of size and i was looking at tape today and he can catch the ball out of the backfield yeah you know who he
1: kind of reminds me of which is a good thing matt forte he reminds me of him a lot that's
0: funny someone else said that today i think chip kelly actually said that
1: about did he go on where'd you hear chip kelly uh brock
0: and salt oh okay and he obviously is the coach of ucla that's right i forgot about that um but yeah, that's funny that, that that you mentioned that and didn't hear that little soundbite of information. But yeah, um, I just, <clears throat> the short pieces of film that I watched on Charbonnet, just because I feel like I've already seen a bunch uh, months ago when we yeah. were kind of talking about him for the draft. But yeah, uh, what I'm impressed with is his catching abilities because I kind of assumed maybe they would go Walker with that, but because he's the smaller as mm-hmm. far as height goes uh but yeah I, I think it might actually be the other way around and we might be pounding the rock with Kenneth and the scat back duties might go to Zach Charbonnet who knows well you know I actually
1: so all all of the negatives aside purely just talking about this guy as a player uh, I actually do really like the pick because I wanted Seattle to get two running backs in this draft because mm-hmm. we only had two on the active roster now we have four. And we'll get to the fourth guy later, but we have four running backs on rookie contracts, and three of them are very talented. And the thing about Charbonnet is he has a totally different skill set than Kenneth Walker. He did catch the ball in college quite a bit. Uh, he has third down back capability, and I, I I think Kenneth Walker does too. I think he's a complete player. But this guy is fifteen pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. He's a stout, big guy. You know, people kind of bounce off of him. And uh, Kenneth is very, very determined with the ball in his hands. Uh, But he's more of a shifty, make you miss kind of guy. And uh, Charbonnet is just going to bowl your ass over. And (laughs) what I love about that is you can, you know, split them on series or, or series or just like, you know, rotate them so you're not overworking a guy and upping their injury risk potential.
0: I can't really remember how many times we ran an offensive scheme where we had like Rashad Penny and him on the field. Did we ever run that too often? I can't really remember. Yeah, anything there wasn't that many any games
1: because, because remember Walker simply. was hurt immediately. Oh and then yeah, that's right. There was like two games where they played together, and they were both getting quite a few snaps. But then Penny got hurt, and it was yeah.
0: like... Well, I'm I'm curious to see if they run plays where like I don't know if you remember when like Russ would run out of the pistol and like we'd have mm-hmm. Marshawn and I don't know Turban or whoever whoever else on the field. I'm I'm interested to see if we do that with the two of them like i don't know maybe gino's out of the shotgun and they're both in the backfield with him
1: i mean waldron did some creative stuff with our backs last year as mm-hmm. well i mean there was even some direct snaps to kenneth walker last year and so yeah that's true you, i forgot you could about run that. some weird ass <laughs> wildcat thing where you have like gino on the sideline and charbonnet Walker in the backfield taking a direct snap and doing a read option like yeah. I don't love doing that stuff all the time but like once every like two games something like that you know We're
0: usually really bad at it I feel like like it always blows up in our face
1: It was really bad when DJ Dallas tried to throw a pass that's that's Oh yeah
0: true. against the Niners <laughs>
1: But the thing uh, so just the fact that we have really good depth at the running back position and all of the guys are really Good, like top tier athletes. It's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I feel really good about our odds to have at least one healthy fucking running back by January this year, which it's, it's been a huge problem for like seven years in a row running back health. So, uh, yeah, Ken or Charbonnet pissed me off at the time, but mostly because of the picks we made later in the draft, which I think, I think our day three was another home run. I would give day two a B um maybe yeah just a solid b because i i think Derek hall to me was like a solid player give that mm-hmm. a pick maybe give the sharpen a pick a b minus but the trade we made with denver we only moved back 25 spots and mm-hmm. we added a third next year like that's a really good trade
0: yeah uh I, so i don't think i actually gave my draft grade for the first round i would give it an a uh probably like you said, a minus for Devin Witherspoon and then a plus for Smith and Jigba. And then those kind of canceling each other out naturally. Mm -hmm. It just turns that into an a, and then, uh, for round two, I would probably give a, probably give a B minus, uh, just like you said, um, there were guards that, and Keanu Benton, we could have taken him at 37, uh, and then at 52, we could have taken either Torrance or Michael Schmitz. Again, these are my grades, so yeah, I, I could be wrong here, but that's who I would have taken if I, I was think, Pete Carroll. I John. think it's Sorry.
1: fair to criticize what we did on day two, for yeah. sure. But I also, we got two good players, mm-hmm. so I'm not mad. Um, yeah I'm in fact now that it's a done deal I'm and I'm over it like I'm like fuck yeah these guys are gonna be sweet
0: well I'm also just really surprised that we went after Charbonnet because he was like definitely the third most talked about like
1: I didn't think he'd still be
0: frequently heard name that I would just constantly keep hearing about as far as who the top talent top five talented running backs were in this draft class Mm -hmm. and yeah, I just didn't expect us to prioritize talent at that position uh, in such a high spot in the draft.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, but moving on to our next pick in round four. So this is when we did finally go after the big boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, first one, Anthony Bradford, uh, guard out of LSU. So this guy actually was a fucking awesome pick. Uh, I... Uh, Looking back at it, he was projected to go even as high as round two, mm-hmm. two or three. Um, he's a huge man. I think he's in the 330s, and he tested really, really well at the Combine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think he had like 29 reps of 225 or something like that. Um, but he, he may not be a starter day one, but this guy is going to push Phil Hennings for playing time and at the very least he's quality depth that he's probably immediately right now the third best guard on our team at worst mm-hmm. and for a fourth round pick that's that's solid i mean you can't complain about it and it was a huge need we had no depth there you know we're talking about moving jake curran inside to play guard because we have such little depth
0: well i <clears throat> like i was saying earlier about the the guards that were left at uh uh, around 52 to 37 uh, and and the centers that were all just all the interior offensive linemen I was sort of thinking like after we took Charbonnet like maybe they know what they're doing in the sense like we don't need like superstars at these positions even though they did have Max Unger and he was a pro bowler like I think like Brock said the other day like they zig when others zag or they z- vice versa, however he said it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they're just building the blueprint the way they want to do it. And I think taking that guard uh, out of LSU, to be honest, I didn't really know too much about the players after round three because we only did mocks of rounds one through three. Um, But again, I was kind kind of relieved to see, like you were saying, Day three was sort of a home run as far as needs being addressed, and I think taking the guard. It if it wasn't going to be a guard, a defensive tackle, or a center at this pick, I was going to be upset with the pick.
1: Yeah, it was. It was about time to riot because going into day three, I was like, dude, we don't have a nose tackle on the roster. We have like three guards total. Like, mm-hmm. come on, let's.
0: And I still think they maybe need to get one more tackle. Um, they do.
1: I th- I think we should just resign Al Woods personally.
0: I that's kind of what I'm wondering if they're going to do because I guess the only w- thing that would prevent that is it him not wanting to come back. Um, or unless maybe they just aren't interested I mean, in what he had out. There, he put on the t- on the field, but I, I thought see, he was I don't awesome. see
1: how they could think that because I he was one of our best defensive players last year, and, he's, and he's I think so, the only thing is he's old.
0: Yeah, he he's definitely the Red Bryant of this generation Seahawks, and you saw what happened to our our defense and our run game or our defensive run stopping abilities when he left. It kind of fell apart, even though we did make it back to the Super Bowl. Like, losing him hurt. and Well, when you have a fucking
1: 340-pound monster out there, it's like, yeah,
0: that's going to make it a lot <laughs> harder to run. Um, yeah, so I guess point being, uh, to sum up, I didn't actually know that much on Anthony Bradford, but I'm just glad that we drafted a guard at that pick mm-hmm. in general.
1: I He's a name that I had seen come up here and there, but... Uh, It wasn't until after we made the pick that I kind of did more of a deep dive on him and Mm -hmm. watched some tape. And he's a road grader. I think he's going to be immediately a really good run blocker because he's just—he's a big fucking guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But moving on to the next pick, other side of the ball, rejoice—we finally have a natural nose tackle on the fucking roster. (laughs) It is crucial to have one when you run a three-four defense. Um, But Cameron, this guy played
0: with. uh,
1: Charles Cross. I think he did. Oh, interesting. Th- he he might have. I, don't quote me, but I, I think they both played under Mike Leach at uh, Mississippi okay, State. Okay, so cool. Rest in peace, Leach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cameron Young out of Mississippi State. Natural nose tackle, about 305 pounds, so a little bit undersized for a nose. But, I mean, a nose you typically just want to be at least 300. There's no requirement that they have to be the size of Al Woods mm-hmm. or, you know, Vince Wilfork back in the day. Those guys are actually kind of outliers. Normally it's about 310-ish. Aaron Donald
0: isn't 300 pounds, is he? No, he's
1: only, I think he's like 280. Yeah. (laughs) Only 280. (laughs) But yeah, uh, this is a great pick. This guy is a run-stopping specialist. So uh, the main thing about Cameron Young is like he doesn't offer a ton of pass rushing versatility. But you don't really, I mean, having that in a nose tackle is more of a luxury than a need. Because these guys, their entire job is to take up space and just eat the running back when they get in their way. Mm -hmm. And that's what this guy does. So right now he's the starting nose tackle on our team. So we're getting a starting crucial defensive line need filled here in round four. And yeah, I agree. I think we should bring in at least one more guy for depth. Um, And Al Woods would probably still be the starter between the two, but rotating those guys. I mean, on the D-line, you need a good rotation. Mm-hmm. They they can't play the whole game. It's too exhausting and they're too huge. But this guy is, I just think, a uh, perfect pick for what was available at the situation. And on this note, real quick, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name, but we signed an undrafted rookie free agent who's 345 pounds, <laughs> also a nose tackle. Get this. He put up 31 reps of 225. When he was 15. <laughs> Is that not like the most disgusting thing you've ever heard?
0: I almost like don't even believe that. I watched a video of it. That's wild. And then,
1: like, What's like, his name? I, I'll have to look it up after this podcast. But yeah, I'll, I'll send you the video wow. of it. Because like you just see this like huge person doing 31 reps at 225. And then when they lean up, it's just a kid. Like he has a total baby face. You're like, what? So who knows how many he can do now? Probably wow. like 50. But uh, he wasn't even invited to the combine. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to make the team. But uh, apparently this person who I can't think of <laughs> has a good chance of being a contributor, especially if we don't uh, end up re-signing another nose. But anyways, uh, what would you think of the Cameron Young pick?
0: Uh, I mean I think you pretty much hit all angles uh just relieved to get the tackle uh pick finally addressed um the the final day rounds four through seven was I think like we already said probably my favorite day just because um I was sort of panicking after the Charbonnet pick. It was a huge relief. Um, and the fact, and even though I was stoked that we traded that pick and got a third rounder from Denver next year, because I think they're still going to be bad, um, I just like what the first two guard, guard, tackle, defensive end, center, safety, like even the safety pick, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, good. We needed that. We there. needed that. And yeah. they made that pick exactly where i think they should have made it mm-hmm. was like either the sixth or the seventh round um but yeah the, i was very happy when i saw them address the nose tackle after the guard even though maybe i would have done it a little earlier like i said I'm glad they took care of it but i'm i would way
1: prefer the way they did it as opposed to taking like you know sirens Torrents at 20 and losing out on smith and jigba you know
0: i would have just been sick if they did that because he was still available at uh what
1: 52 yeah yeah but that's what i mean i feel like in years past they did shit like that because they're like oh we have a need so let's pass on the really good other position but Mm -hmm. anyways uh they seem like some significant lessons have been learned from the 2010s seahawks the (laughs) later 2010s seahawks uh next up mike morris defensive end out of michigan uh I was really happy with this pick because this guy apparently has gained twenty pounds since the combine is playing at two twenty or two ninety-five right oh, now. Damn. So he's gonna be on the rotation with uh Dremont Jones and uh Jerron Reed as a three four defensive end, mm-hmm. which was another position that to this point in the draft, I was like, I mean, we signed some guys in free agency, but we really need more depth at mm-hmm. rotation there. So uh once again, fifth round, we're gonna get a guy that I mean he's not gonna start, but he's going to play significant snap snaps barring an injury this season. And we're talking about a fifth round player here. Uh I think an again again thing uh here, the main strength that I read about Mike Morris is that he's a good run defender. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the whole theme of this draft was let's improve our run game and let's get better at stopping the run, <coughs> which is great. because
0: players that know how to tackle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was the big strength on every defensive player we selected in this draft.
0: That's one thing that I've noticed, uh, like, the theme of all the players is they really seem to know how to make that open field tackle.
1: Yeah, it, which was, like, the most frustrating thing <laughs> to watch last year, and there's a reason why a lot of those guys went bye-bye. So, uh, yeah, I... I'm not going to say I knew too much about this guy going into it, but I'm stoked we have him, you know?
0: Yeah, like, <clears throat> uh, again, this has been my narrative. I'll just beat, beat this into the ground. But, yeah, I was happy with the the position selection. Um, I was still, obviously, concerned about the, the center not being drafted yet, but, of course, that was three picks later, um, so it didn't... I, we were also golfing, so it's not like I was paying <laughs> close attention to day three anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh. yeah, Mike Morris, again, didn't know too much about the guy, but I, I mean, a 295 pound defensive end is, I mean, who's, who's upset when they hear that information. Yeah. We needed to tip the team. scales, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I just keep thinking about uh, as far as playing in a three, four and just putting weight on the line. I think that is an important thing that we've neglected uh, in years past. And especially, I mean, we need to fill our defensive line anyway, because we had no nose tackles at the start of the draft. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess moving on to pick 154 that I kind of brushed up on was the center out of... Out of Michigan? Uh, you want to say the name? I'm-
1: I was gonna ask if you want to go for it, but um, let's give it a shot. So let's let's call him Lusigan Oluwatini, center out of Michigan. Yes, okay, I'm sure I butchered that. No, that but- was
0: brave. I what, <laughs> I couldn't do it. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure the
1: team there. We'll get good at it as <laughs> the years go by because this guy could honestly potentially be our starting center this year. We'll he- just call him Olu Olu. I that? that's going to work for now. Olu Olu. So, he won the award similar to Kobe Bryant in the 5th round last year. He won the collegiate award for best center in the country mm-hmm. and he was in the same conference as John Michael Schmitz this year. Mm. Um so, yeah, he wasn't talked about as highly as uh, JMS but um a lot of people had him in like the 3rd round and he has starting upside in the NFL. Super strong guy too. Um another larger center prospect i think he's that also was, in the 330s that
0: was something that i noticed uh, watching the the short clips that were attached to his name after we drafted him was that he was like he looked physically like larger than a john michael schmitz i i kind of thought we were he thought we were gonna go uh athletic smaller yeah, smaller was, center that was kind of what i pictured us doing i was
1: shocked luke whipler was in the selection here because he made it all the way to the sixth round but obviously they i mean they drafted this guy over him so clearly they value that strength profile more than the athleticism which mm-hmm. was just i guess the opposite of how i thought they would go but yeah i mean same. the last small athletic center we had was joey hunt and do i need to even say anything about that say no more. <laughs> <laughs> sorry joey <laughs> uh but one thing uh, i noticed about this draft looking back at it besides one pick all of these players were either in the sec or the big 12 which are you know two of the top conferences and that's just something i really like because these are the guys that are playing elite competition all the time mm-hmm. and uh, they seem to be based on the interviews I've heard like pretty high character guys as well.
0: Just um out of curiosity not to debunk your statement but is New Mexico in I was that was the exception. Where are they from? Or what conference I, is that? Is it
1: not some some the southwest? Pac-12? I don't
0: know. No, I'm guessing they'd probably be in like a conference with like San Diego State or something.
1: Yeah, like that. I I don't know what con. That's why I excluded Jerry. Yeah, I don't Ray. know.
0: Anyway, moving
1: uh, on. But yeah, uh, let just to wrap up the Olu Olu pick. Um, I think this is a great. This is a steal in round five. Mm-hmm. I would have been fine taking him in round three, but we traded the pick. So uh, Evan Brown right now is probably the starter, but this guy. Could be the starter next year, could be the starter this year. We'll see. And I, I think he's gonna be a good player. Uh moving on to the next pick. This is a player, not gonna lie. I I think I read his name somewhere on the internet like one time in the three months we've been looking at players. Don't know a whole lot about uh Jarek Reed the second at all. Uh, safety prospect out of new mexico but what i've learned in the last 48 hours is that you know he has slot corner versatility but is a natural safety he's a bit smaller than some of the safeties we've brought in in years past but the thing is he gets a lot of comparisons to our current starting safety in Quandre Diggs and where he was at coming out of college so i like the addressing this position because we did need depth in it after losing Ryan Neal. Mm-hmm. And um, you listen to the way Pete and John talk about him, for some reason, they sound more excited about him than anyone else they picked. Like, I, so obviously, this is, this was their guy. They mm-hmm. really wanted Jarek Reed. So I trust, I trust their evaluations of DBs. Yeah. I, besides Tedrick Thompson, I'm
0: like you, except worse. I never had read that name before <laughs> that moment he was drafted in my life. So, uh, but welcome aboard, Jarek Reed. Um I'm stoked that we drafted a safety because like you said, I think we do need depth there. We have that's probably two of our older guys at that position yeah. that we rely on a lot. Um, and going into this year, I mean, every season we've had him. Jamal Adams has been hurt at some point or another. So I think the like I said earlier, they took the safety exactly. Where I wanted them to take him <clears throat> either round six or seven and uh, don't know too much about him like I said, but i'm um, I'm stoked that we have the depth there in the secondary because it yeah. seems like if we're gonna if we're gonna have that be our strength, let's double down and yeah and have the depth there. I agree uh, and then rounding things out, we have the round seven pick at number two thirty seven Kenny Mcintosh. Obviously, he had a great uh, soundbite of him on the phone talking oh, with, yeah. with everyone. That's that was a lot of fun to listen to, and the personality uh, just this screams guy's a Seahawk to me. Uh, almost gives me like uh, it almost gives me uh, Jamal Williams vibes a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, what do you, what do you think about the pick over? I was
1: going to say I think this is my second favorite pick of our class here cuz mm-hmm. I thought Kenny I could not believe he was there in the 7th round. I thought he was a 3rd or 4th round guy.
0: Was he the starter for Georgia? Yeah.
1: Like their guy? The national championship starting running back wow. and you know, they've had a string of guys and James Cook and the other dude that I can't remember get drafted high in the last couple of drafts. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what happened here. He's got receiver versatility. He's a tough physical runner. He can do it all. Um, but he caught, you could line him up as a slot receiver. He's, he's that good at it. You know, if you watch his highlights, there's a ton of wheel routes and just outside, uh, throws that Bennett made to him like 40 yards downfield. And he's mm-hmm. just running past a linebacker. I think he fell just cause he ran a four, six flat, mm-hmm. which, you know, isn't that fast, but so did Chris Carson. um, I think the 40 is a little under overrated to be honest. I agree. But yeah, this is, I, I love this guy. Um, as you alluded to earlier, the, uh, interview with him and just the, the video of him celebrating with his family and everything. I think he immediately like chugged some vodka, like (laughs) after, uh, the moment settled in for a little bit, which was hilarious to watch. But, uh, this guy just screams Seahawks as uh, Seahawk, as you said, and he fills out what i think is the best running back group we've had in about 6 years, 7 years. Maybe even ever. Like I, yeah, and, I, wouldn't, and, I wouldn't
0: I wouldn't argue with you. And I'll back off that sorry. I'll back off that statement just because we need to let them play to really judge their level of success, but the potential is there. The, yeah. The, the ceiling, the sky is the limit for their ceiling and what they can do for us. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about the Kenny McIntosh pick. That was something I wasn't sure about was if he was the starter or not, but wow, that's pretty, pretty awesome that we, we've got, uh, we just really went all out on the skill positions this draft. Yeah. Something I just didn't expect us to do just because it's kind of a ballsy move to to begin with um, because you always want to protect those skill players. That's why you always think about when teams draft franchise quarterbacks, you want to draft the offensive lineman first. That's kind of how we went when before we drafted Russell. Uh, Wilson, that is. Yeah. We went after Russell Okung and, and you know took care of you know, drafting Max Unger and whatnot, so.
1: I guess you could say, though, so the interior of both lines, normally you you can get good quality starters there in the later rounds, but, like, ta- offensive tackle and edge rushers, you got to draft them high most of the time, and that's mm-hmm. what we've done in the last two drafts for the most part. Yeah. Um. So I just real quickly pulled up the massive man we I haven't got to go through all the undrafted rookies we signed but it was Robert Cooper out of Florida State is the guy I'm talking about and okay just just look up that video I talked about <laughs> of 15 year old Robert Cooper in 2017
0: we might we might put it in post-production
1: yeah it, it's got to go in there but yeah I mean I don't know if any of these guys in the undrafted pool are going to make the team but we got a receiver out of Arkansas, I believe, who's pretty exciting. Jake Bobo is another receiver we signed out of uh, same same team as uh, Charbonnet, UCLA. I hope and he
0: makes the team, becomes a superstar talent, and then Colby gets a Bobo jersey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that would really put a smile on my face. <laughs> I don't. I mean, honestly, he's got a really long shot to make the roster, but uh, yeah. Never sleep on the UDFAs. It seems like at least one guy every year ends up making the team. I think last year it was a defensive end whose name is alluding. Miles Adams. I think Mm. he was our lone UDFA contributor. But Puna? Puna was an undrafted rookie free agent.
0: Mike Jackson, was not
1: I think he was too. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, UDFAs will find a way to make contributions on the seahawks because pete carroll believes in competition you know mm-hmm. so we'll have to go through these guys at another time but i just figured i'd bring up his name since we <laughs> talked about him earlier and it's freaky
0: yeah yeah certainly a lot to look forward to with this team uh we definitely are gonna have to go to the training camp that starts in uh late july early august we'll probably i'm down to go to like the first one
1: yeah if i mean i'm down to go to like five this year like they're i had really so much.
0: they're really not expensive at all no to go there. it
1: was like in some ways more fun than a game like mm-hmm. we got to meet jamal adams we got to meet colby parkinson and several other seahawks who mm-hmm. just it's always cool to see these guys face to face just as humans because on tv there's this aura about them that makes them seem like
0: well you're also up close at the training camp's the training camp and practices and you can see all the players and really, um, I guess get that human element of, Oh, there's Geno Smith like 10 feet away. That's cool. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Yeah. It's a cool thing.
0: Yeah. But, uh, I guess wrapping things up here, uh, it was, it was a fun draft, a lot to look forward to. Like I said, sky's the limit for this team and the offense and the defense have a lot of, uh, bright future picks, A lot lot of uh, things to look forward to with our picks in general.
1: Yeah, I think we closed the gap a bit between ourselves and the Niners and the Eagles in the NFC. Um, This offense is going to have to carry us against those two teams because it's going to be hard to slow them down. But, you know, I'm not going to say that we're better or even super close to either of them, but we have a fighting chance against Mm -hmm. anyone in the NFC right now in particular. So, you look at the landscape of what it takes to get another Lombardi and, you know, I'm not going to say that we have a real good chance this year, but we hit on another draft next year, man, make some more moves with, uh, more cap space as We could po- possibly move on from the giant digs and Adams contracts in 2024. The future is bright. It man. hasn't been this bright and like conceivably, um, uh, on the path towards the championship in a long time. So I'm i just can't wait for september
0: now i agree and it's gonna happen we're gonna blink and it's gonna be there because that's how the draft went down like yeah seems like it was super bowl and then we woke up and it was the draft so i'm hoping things arrive sooner than later we're gonna have the dark days of june and July, uh, nothing really in, happening even in, the football in May. World. Like
1: the biggest thing we're gonna have is like rookie mini camp this month. We're gonna be like, hey, look at these guys—they're in a
0: t-shirt and a helmet. Isn't that cool? Yeah, May is always kind of a boring month because also the Mariners are usually doing terrible around that time. So there's just like nothing good happening in the month of May. Um, but who knows maybe the Kraken will make it all the way to the Stanley Cup and they're really,
1: probably the most exciting thing in Seattle sports right now yeah, this month you know, yeah. the draft is over so
0: yeah but lots to look forward to in the next couple months but uh, thanks for tuning in guys and we will see you next time
1: indeed